The following podcast is by Mr. Jim Taylor, elder law and special needs attorney, helping and protecting those who need long-term care. And welcome back, everyone, to Answers for Elders Radio Network. And we're here talking with Jim Kaler, elder law attorney in the state of Ohio and um, our favorite one here on Answers for Elders. And Jim and I are talking about those important individuals that we need to have around us in our later life. And we've talked about powers of attorney. We have talked about different forms of executorship and things like that. And now, Jim, you're going to talk about trusts. And that's a whole other piece because there's different forms of trusts, aren't there? Yes, there are because they serve different purposes. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about the revocable trust first. Okay. Revocable is your garden variety. I don't want my estate to have to go through probate court. So I'm going to have a lawyer set up a trust for me and the trust is going to own pretty much everything I have of value. Mm-hmm. And then it's all handled under the, the contract terms of trust because the trust agreement is just a contract. Okay? Right. It's a contract between the trustee, the person taking control and mm-hmm. the grantor, the person creating the trust. Correct. And to some extent, the I'm sorry, the settler, the person creating the trust. And to some extent, all the grantors who then put things into the trust and the settlers usually the grantor. Okay. Uh, but not always. Uh, with a revocable trust, it's almost always the grantor or the settler are the same, but we'll get into when it's not mm-hmm. uh, in, in later in this segment or in the next. Um, but uh, it, so it may, for a, a garden variety revocable living trust, the trustee and the grantor slash settler may be the same person, the same couple. So it's a contract with themselves with themselves individually, with themselves as trustees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so, but the contract is what allows these, the, the assets held in trust to avoid probate court. It's not very different in this way than a life insurance policy. A life insurance policy is a contract with an insurance company. You sure. give them money, they promise to give it back when you die to whomever you say. And it, whether the insurance company makes money depends how long you live and whether the economy's good and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Okay. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're simply talking about you set it up, you have a contract, life insurance policy is a contract with that company. And then the contract, assuming you don't cash it out along the way, the contract is then triggered to empty out the value of the policy upon your death. So okay. obviously talking about life insurance policies here, folks. Okay. Well, that doesn't have to go to probate court unless you name your estate in the policy. Then why'd you have a policy in the first place? Because that's just right. not Okay. Uh, the only way it's not nuts is if all of your, the beneficiaries you did choose died before you did. And then it's going to end up in your estate just for lack of any other way play to go, place to go. And okay, that happens sometimes. Okay. Um, but a revocable living trust is the same sort of thing. A contract controls what happens to the contents of the trust, just like an insurance policy contract controls what happens to the money inside the insurance pool, the, the fund, the policy. Okay, So uh, it avoids probate court because the contract controls everything inside it. Now, that's Got assuming it. whoever set it up actually put stuff in it. There are thousands of empty trusts out there where somebody did all the work to set it up and then never funded it. Nothing. <laughs> That's kind of bizarre, but I can imagine. It's, it's closing the loop and it's the part of the loop that the lawyer can't 
do. The lawyer can urge, cajole, nag, fuss, but the person has to go to the bank and say, hey, bank, here's my trust. Change the name on my account or open mm -hmm. me a new account, move everything or whatever. Okay. That's the part that is the follow through of the client. Sure. And sometimes clients don't follow through because they don't understand. But yeah. we'll assume we have a funded trust. We, well, okay. Remember, we're, we're choosing this person at the time we write the trust anyway. So funded or not funded, their personality traits are the same because we hope it's funded. Okay. Yep. So with a revocable living trust, generally the initial trustee is the, the settler and grantor who set it up or the married couple. Because again, like I said, they're, they're simply contracting with themselves as individuals, with themselves as trustees as a way to get this stuff into trust and avoid probate court, uh, have their family avoid probate court after they die. So the initial trustee is almost always the grantor slash settler. Settler, again, the person who created the trust sure. agreement, all the person or people who put stuff into the trust, okay, Whose as who owned the assets before they got there, okay. But so choosing myself as the trustee, that, that makes perfect sense. That's easy, okay, because I built it for myself. The successor trustee's right gets tricky, okay? So this is someone who will take over as trustee if the initial trustee or trustees are gone, passed away, or unable to continue as trustee for mental health or physical health reasons, mm -hmm. or they simply resign. They can also resign, say, I turn it over to the successor trustee, which is sure. Okay. This is similar to an executor because this is a business job. Sure. Because most of what they're going to have to do while the grantor settler is still alive is simply, you know, when the settler grantor asks for money, give it to them. Okay. That's easy because while the grantor settler is still alive, they're the only beneficiary during the life for themselves. So there's no fights with anybody else. Okay. But once that grant, all the grantors and settlers are gone, so you know both parents are gone. Let's say um, now it's a matter of winding up the trust, and it's very much like a will in this way. It's just a trust instead of a will. Sure. Remember that's what a revocable trust is for—to be instead of a will. Okay. So you're looking for someone who gets stuff done, meets deadlines, and duck, doesn't buckle under the pressure from others. Same and thing. Here in my notes, same just quality. What about what about I've heard about hiring um, attorneys to be uh, trustees. I've heard about banks being trustees. Being yes. Okay, so um, attorneys and banks can be trustees, and one assuming they agree, just like with powers of attorney, sure. don't ambush somebody. That's not fair. Okay. Uh, especially someone who deserves to get paid, like a bank or a, yeah, uh, or an accountant. Attorney. There's another the one. Bank's not going to touch it unless they got an agreement with you anyway. Okay, so a a an attorney and and even more so a bank or trust company, yeah, uh, is going to want instructions quite clear on how they make decisions of spending right. stuff out of the trust and how risky an investment can they make with the stuff inside the trust? Because exactly. they don't want to get sued 
by unhappy yeah. heirs who thought there was going to be more money there or who are unhappy that um, a certain amount of money, let, let's, let's say it's not even a, a sentimental asset. It's just you know, a certain amount of money went to cousin Billy and Hey, Billy has his own parents. Don't, don't let Billy dip into our stuff. But if mom and dad set it up that way, that, that, you know, cousin Billy gets some, but that doesn't mean the trustee won't get sued. Sure. Uh, so, um, and we will see this even more when we talk about irrevocable trusts. Uh, but the bigger the trust, uh, oh, sorry. so we'll see it more when we talk about irrevocable trusts because mm-hmm. third parties struggle with discretion. Mm-hmm. If distribution is a you may distribute when X, Y, Z, or you may distribute when you feel like sure. it. Sure, sure. They struggle with that because of their duties to protect the value of the trust, both for the current, the, the people who can use the trust during their lifetimes. So the lifetime beneficiaries, in this case, the, the married couple who set it up, okay? And the residual beneficiaries who receive what's left after the initial beneficiary, the lifetime beneficiaries are gone. So uh, every use of discretion can get tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, and and put them at risk, so that, and they don't like risk. They're banks and they're attorneys. Uh, at least they don't like the risk of them being sued. They no. may no. take other risks, but they're not going to take risks themselves. So, um, so those are very very tricky. But if you have enough in there that you want professional management of the funds, yeah, it makes sense to go to a bank or a trust company. If you have a special use of that trust, and we see this especially with things like special needs trusts, you may want to have an attorney that knows the way around the special needs world, for example. Okay. Uh, And that makes some sense. Now, um, we'll talk about this some more when we hit uh, irrevocable trusts, which has got Mm -hmm. a lot more nuances in it. Um, But uh, it's you may want someone who can focus on the purpose of the trust where with revocable living trust, the purpose is just to avoid probate court. Yeah. Okay. And the rest of it simply, how would I manage my money? If I were the, if I were mom and dad, and that's an okay way to approach it. Unfortunately, right. that disagrees as well. You didn't, you weren't a prudent investor. And okay. Now we run into a problem because what mom and dad want may not have been prudent, but the residual beneficiaries can demand a prudent uh, investor mm-hmm. slash trustee. Yeah, that gets ugly. So the longer mom and dad can do it, the safer it is for everybody because sure. the kids can't sue mom and dad for mishandling it because it was never kids to begin with. It was always mom and dad. Right. So okay. when someone has a family trust, is that usually a revocable trust? Um. Assuming that family trust means the same in Washington as it means here. Okay. And let me preface my comments by saying that's reasonably high level estate planning stuff. And I focus on people who need long-term right. care and people <clears throat> with special needs. So I don't do high, I don't do high level uh, estate planning stuff, but things that the trusts that go beyond the simple, let's avoid probate court tend to be irrevocable in order to get the benefits that you want. For example, sure a charitable remainder trust. If you could revoke it, then IRS is never going to recognize it as a charitable remainder trust. Right. Uh, a Medicaid asset protection trust. If you can revoke it, then Medicaid is going to say, revoke it and spend the money. 
before we start yeah. paying. So all is, and then a family trust, which is supposed to look out for family two, three generations down the line, or a bloodline trust, same sort of thing, but it cuts out in-laws. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or a legacy trust, which is really kind of a wide open concept. There isn't yeah. one thing. That's for that people with lots trust. of money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we're talking about huge bucks here. So yeah. 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 So, so professional management makes perfect sense, but it's going to have to be irrevocable to ha- for it to have the protection that you're looking for over generations. And we're going to talk about irrevocable third-party trusts coming up on our next segment. And Jim and I will be right back right after this. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. State of Ohio residents, you have a friend to help you navigate long-term care while protecting your assets. You can reach Jim at www.protectingseniors.com or just email him at jkoewler-afe, that's jkoewler-afe at protectingseniors.com. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform. 